hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm? What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. The other day, I was talking to a patient about options. Her options to get rid of her all day, all night hot flashes. I was recommending a transdermal estrogen since she had a history of gallstones. So I pulled out my show and tell basket of patches, gels and sprays so she could see what her options were. When I finished, she said, "Mm, actually, I think I'd prefer something that doesn't have estrogen. I have a lot of friends with breast cancer, and I really don't want to do anything that will increase my risk. And this is the typical conversation we have in our menopause center every single day day. The number one reason women give for not taking estrogen is fear of breast cancer. Even in my study on the use of cannabis to alleviate hot flashes, one of the questions I asked was, so why would you choose to use cannabis instead of estrogen? And fear of breast cancer was the number one reason. And I totally get it. In July of 2002, when the results of the Women's Health Initiative, the WHI, were released, millions of women turned on the news to hear that the estrogen they took every morning could cause breast cancer, heart disease, blood clots, and stroke. The news went immediately viral, and there was this collective national flush as understandably nervous and angry women tossed their hormones down the toilet. Sales immediately dropped by 70%. And even though that study is now 20 years old, and even though it's been reevaluated and shown that the study was misinterpreted, most doctors continue to exaggerate the risks and undersell the benefits of hormone therapy. So in this episode, I'm going to walk you through the original WHI data and explain why the results are simply not valid for most women, and then explain why estrogen not only doesn't increase the risk of breast cancer, but actually decreases it. My goal is not to convince you to take estrogen. My goal is to give you the information, to give you the data so that you can make an informed decision. So now I'm going to take you back to 1997 when the Women's Health Initiative study launched. Prior to 1997, it was medically accepted that estrogen would get rid of hot flashes. That was never in question. The question was, were there other benefits to taking estrogen? other than hot flash relief. So the purpose of the WHI study was to definitively determine whether long-term hormone therapy could prevent heart disease and other serious medical illnesses and ultimately prolong life in addition to controlling postmenopause symptoms. 27,000 women between the ages of 50 and 79 were in the study and they were divided into three groups. Group one was given an oral estrogen and an oral progestin. At that time, that's what most women using hormone therapy were using. Transdermal estrogen, the patches, creams, sprays, weren't available yet. Group two included women who'd had a hysterectomy. So they didn't need a progestin to protect the lining of the uterus. They were only given oral estrogen. Group three was given a placebo pill with no hormones. So group one, estrogen and progestin, 
group two, estrogen alone, and group three, a placebo. The women, like in most studies, were not told what they were taking. The study was intended to run for eight years, but it abruptly ended at five years when it appeared that the group taking estrogen and progestin, group one, had a higher incidence of breast cancer, blood clots, and stroke than they were seeing in the other two groups. And when that news hit the media, the headline was, estrogen is dangerous and shouldn't be taken. But the headline and the message were far from accurate. First of all, 97.5% of those 20,000 women taking estrogen and progestin therapy had no problems. The actual number of women who developed breast cancer, stroke, and blood clots was really small. Specifically, the WHI showed that for every 10,000 women per year who use estrogen and progestin, compared to the women who were not taking any hormones or who were taking estrogen alone, there were seven additional myocardial infarctions, eight additional strokes, eight additional breast cancers, and eight additional pulmonary embolisms. And on the positive side, there were six fewer colon rectal cancers and five fewer hip fractures. Now, again, these numbers I'm giving you were for every 10,000 women. Most important, in the group that took hormones, even though there was a slight increase in cardiovascular problems and those eight additional cases of breast cancer, there were zero, zero additional deaths compared to the placebo group. But actually... The real news is that the data I just gave you makes things look much worse than they really are. And here's why. Since the initial release of the WHI findings in 2002, the data has been revisited and it's now clear that both the design of the study and the initial interpretation of the data were problematic. There were three main issues that I'm going to go through. One, the first issue was the age and characteristics of the women in the study. The second issue was the type of progesterone that was being used. And third, the fact that an oral estrogen as opposed to a transdermal product was studied. So let's start with issue number one, why the age and characteristics of the women in the study were problematic. The average age of women in the WHI was 63, and over 70% of the women enrolled were over the age of 60. Now, think about this. Most women enter menopause between the ages of 50 and 55, but women between the ages of 50 and 55 weren't included. In fact, they only represented 10% of the study population, and 70% of women in the study were over the age of 60, meaning 10 or more years after they'd enter menopause. So right from the get-go, the results were not reflective of most women who take hormone therapy. Most women take hormone therapy between the ages of 50 and 60 when hot flashes are at their worst. But the researchers didn't want women in the study to know if they were getting hormones or a placebo. And the only way to do that was to include women who were no longer having hot flashes. And that's why the majority of the women were over the age of 60, because they were done with their hot flashes. In episode two, I think your hot flashes can't kill you, think again, I explained how hot flashes can cause heart disease and other serious medical illnesses. So what that tells you is that not only did the results reflect the consequences of aging because the women were older, but they also reflected any possible damage the women might have experienced from those hot flashes they had prior to enrolling in the WHI. 
A few years after the study results were first released, there was a reevaluation of the data. And in this reevaluation, they only included the women in the 50 to 60 year old range. And it turns out those results were completely different. There was a decrease in coronary heart disease and a decrease in overall mortality in women that started their hormone therapy before the age of 60. So what we now know is that there's a critical window, a specific time frame to start hormone therapy to decrease cardiovascular risk, preserve cognitive function, and promote longevity. There was another factor besides age and timing that impacted the results. The cardiovascular data did not identify who was taking statin drugs, and it turns out that makes a big difference. In a subsequent Swedish study, 40,000 women took statins along with their estrogen, which was then compared to 38,000 women who took estrogen but did not take a statin. The rate of death was 33 each year for every 10,000 women who used hormone therapy with a statin, compared with 87 each year for every 10,000 women who used statins alone. A huge difference, almost triple. There was another big problem with the WHI. The WHI didn't include any women, any women under the age of 50. And you already know from my first episode that it is normal to enter menopause after the age of 40. But since we have no data from the WHI in women under 50, women who go through an early or a premature menopause are lumped together with the over 50 and quite frankly, mostly over 60 crowd. So what that means is that the 36-year-old who takes hormone therapy might be told that she's putting herself at the same risk and has the same issues as the 65-year-old who takes hormone therapy. No one worries about a 36-year-old woman taking birth control pills, but if the same woman goes through early menopause, she's often told that taking menopause-level hormone therapy, which by the way, has dramatically less hormones than a typical birth control pill, is dangerous. Along the same lines, it's interesting to me when I have a patient who's sailing through perimenopause on her birth control pill, but when I tell her it's time to stop the pill and suggest it's time to start menopausal hormone therapy, she says, no, because menopausal hormone therapy, she thinks, is dangerous. And when I point out that the synthetic non-bioidentical pill she's been happily taking for the last 20 years has a far greater potency of estrogen than standard post-menopause hormone therapy, she's usually pretty surprised. Moving on to issue number two in terms of these flaws in the WHI, and that's the kind of progesterone the women were given. The results released in 2002 that I just talked about only applied to group one, women who were taking estrogen and a progestin. Again, women who have a uterus must take a progesterone or something else to avoid getting an abnormal buildup in the uterus, which may, down the road, increase the chance of developing uterine cancer. Group two, which included women who took estrogen alone, the women who didn't have a uterus, wasn't discontinued until two years later and had strikingly different results. Specifically, women in the 50 to 60-year-old group who took estrogen alone had a 37% decrease in heart disease, a 12% decrease in new-onset diabetes, a 30% decrease in fractures, and an 18% decrease in breast cancer. You heard that right. The newsflash that didn't make it to the media was that in the estrogen-only group, there was an 18% decrease in breast cancer. And it's now clear that the small increase that's sometimes seen in breast cancer in women who take hormone therapy, it's because of the progestin. It's not the estrogen. 
And we now know it wasn't just the progestin that was the culprit. It was the specific progestin that they were taking in the WHI, medroxyprogesterone acetate, which is a synthetic progesterone. A new study that was just released this year looked at women who were taking micronized bioidentical progesterone with their estrogen and no increase, no increase in breast cancer in women who were taking estrogen and a bioidentical progesterone. Putting aside the progesterone issue, there was one concern that carried over to the estrogen-only group, and that's blood clots. Blood clots that form in the veins of the legs can travel through the body and block blood vessels that supply the heart, the lungs, or the brain. The 50 to 60-year-old group had a 37% increase in venous blood clots, which sounds alarming. Keep in mind, though, that because the number of blood clots occurring in that age group is very small, even a very teeny increase translates into a huge percentage increase. In absolute numbers, there were only four additional blood clots per 10,000 women per year of estrogen therapy. It's also important to keep in mind that anyone can get a blood clot or develop heart disease, even if they're not using hormone therapy. And the risk of a clot is far greater in women who are obese and have high blood pressure and high cholesterol than in women who use postmenopause estrogen. Here's the headline that should have made it to the news. Overall, total mortality in the 50 to 59-year-old estrogen group was 30% lower than in women who did not take hormone therapy. All right, this is confusing, and I just gave you a lot of information. So let me summarize it for you. Women that took estrogen alone or estrogen and a micronized progesterone at the onset of menopause have completely different results than women over the age of 60 who take oral estrogen and synthetic progesterone. In that 50 to 59-year-old group who take estrogen alone, there's a decrease in fractures, a decrease in diabetes, a decrease in breast cancer, a decrease in coronary artery disease, and a decrease in overall mortality. There's a small increase in blood clot, stroke, and gallstones, but in subsequent studies, we now know that none of those increases are seen if someone uses a transdermal estrogen that's absorbed through the skin as opposed to a pill taken by mouth, which brings me to issue number three. The WHI studied only oral estrogen therapy. Transdermal estrogen therapy, meaning a patch, cream, spray, or gel that's absorbed through the skin, is much safer. So the message here is that while most women of average risk are safely able to take either an oral or transdermal estrogen if started soon after menopause, women who are at increased risk for blood clots, stroke, or heart disease should stick to a transdermal product. But in truth, most women who won't take hormone therapy, they're not thinking about a blood clot. They're not worried about a blood clot. It's fear of breast cancer. So let me go back to the whole breast cancer issue. These are the facts. Over 80% of women who have breast cancer have never taken hormones. In the WHI study, only the women who took estrogen and medroxyprogesterone acetate had a slight increase in breast cancer, basically eight additional breast cancers for every 10,000 women who took hormone therapy. And again, the estrogen-only group had an 18% decrease in breast cancer. To put this all in perspective, it's helpful to look at what the risk of hormone therapy is compared to other known breast cancer risks. Women who are obese, women who drink alcohol, and women who've had an early first menstrual period have 
basically the same increase in relative risk as women who take estrogen and synthetic progesterone. Women who have a late menopause, a late first pregnancy, or dense breasts on mammogram, all known risk factors, have a much higher relative risk of breast cancer than women who take hormone therapy. And if you still have doubts about the estrogen and breast cancer connection, there's currently a multi-center clinical trial, the PROMISE study, which is taking place in multiple university settings in which women with breast ductal carcinoma in situ are receiving a combination of estrogen and a progesterone substitute called basodoxafen to determine if this form of hormone therapy will prevent DCIS from progressing to invasive breast cancer. So knowing that a nationwide group of academic breast surgeons are intentionally giving patients who have been diagnosed with an early form of breast cancer estrogen, that should convince you that estrogen does not cause breast cancer. In spite of this reassuring data, here we are again 20 years later and millions of women are suffering with hot flashes, vaginal dryness, and insomnia because of the belief propagated by the media and many doctors that they're putting themselves at significant risk if they take hormone therapy. And these millions of women who are avoiding taking hormones because they've been led to believe it's dangerous dangerous, are in reality putting themselves at increased risk of cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, and diabetes. The repercussions go far beyond women feeling miserable. A Yale study published in July 2013 suggested that false information in the media and concerns about estrogen have caused thousands of needless deaths. The authors of that study estimated that up to 48,835 fewer women would have died between 2002 and 2012 if they had not avoided estrogen between the ages of 50 and 60. In another analysis, the decline in the use of estrogen-only therapy over 13 years was associated with a $4.1 billion increase in costs for a treatment of chronic diseases like breast cancer, coronary heart disease, colon cancer, and fractures that could have been prevented if women had taken hormone therapy in their 50s. It's also worth noting that the WHI did not evaluate quality of life, libido, sexuality, and that counts for a lot. I'm not promising you that if you take hormone therapy, you won't get breast cancer or have heart disease. Obviously, women who don't take estrogen get breast cancer and heart disease, and women who take estrogen also get breast cancer and heart disease. What I am telling you and giving you the reassurance is that based on the data, if you choose to take hormone therapy, it will not increase your risk. So four take-home points. One. The best time to start hormone therapy is at the onset of menopause, within the first 10 years, ideally. Two, transdermal estrogen for many women is safer. Three, if you have a uterus, take a micronized bioidentical progesterone instead of synthetic progesterone. And four, women at risk for heart disease who take hormone therapy may benefit from taking a statin as well. So there you have it. Virtually every female academic menopause expert I know, including me, takes hormone therapy and never intends to stop. And that's because hormone therapy is safe and effective and protects the heart, the bones, and the brain. Estrogen isn't poison, and for the most part, miserable menopausal women can be flash-free and no longer to feel like they're risking their lives for the sake of a good night's sleep.
I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Sometimes I feel blue She helped me 